Why don't you open up your Bibles and we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 8 verses 10 through to 19. Genesis 28 verses 10 through to 19. The title of my message this morning is The Glory of God is Man Fully Alive, Crossing the Threshold. Here in Genesis, Jacob is living according to his very nature. Jacob is a supplanter, Jacob is a deceiver, and Jacob is a trickster. Now here he was, and he stood before his father, Isaac, and he's deceived him. He's deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright. His brother is angry and wants to kill him. His father is equally furious at his deception. His mother, Rebecca, goes to him and says, listen, you need to get out of here. I'm going to send you to my brother's house, your uncle's house, Laban, where he will take care of you. Jacob left with nothing but a walking stick. He would have been lost. He's lonely. He's confused. And we pick up the story here in Genesis 28. Meanwhile, Jacob left Bathsheba and travelled toward Haran. At sundown he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. Jacob found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you, and I will protect you wherever you go. One day, I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. But he was also afraid and said, What an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of the living God, the very gateway to heaven. The next morning, Jacob got up very early. He took the stone he had rested his head against and he set it upright as a memorial pillar. Then he poured olive oil over it. He named that place Bethel, which means house of God. God here invaded into the life of Jacob. He was on a journey now of discovering himself. He had come alive. A match was struck inside of him. He was far from God and living anything but for God. But now he had a glimmer. He had seen the heavens open. He had experienced and tasted the living God. A seed was inside him. And God was on a mission of developing that seed, of kindling that spark that had began in Jacob. And he was about to bring him into the fullness of his promises and destinies and mission for his life. 
We're on a mission for the living God, aren't we, Kenston Temple? You have a unique mission, a part of that great mission. And God is bringing us into that place. We all have the seed of the living God inside us that he's bringing alive and he's bringing to fire. His granddad, Abraham, and his father, Isaac, had great promises. And now Jacob, with a lot of training and some character refining, was about to carry the mantle of that great promise for the next generation. Two years ago, I had the great experience, a humbling experience, of going to Poland, Krakow, and to have a tour of Auschwitz. It was a humbling experience, very insightful. And when I heard this story, it came to life to me all the more, having witnessed and experienced all that I witnessed in that place. There was a gentleman by the name of Andros Thomas. Now, Andros Thomas, in 1945, was taken captive by the Red Army. He was taken prisoner, and he was imprisoned in Russia. Now it's to the year 2000. For 75 years, Andrus Thomas had been imprisoned. And they thought he was crazy. They thought he was speaking gibberish. And they were on the verge of executing him. They had one final last chance. And they called in a, a psychologist. And the psychologist looked at this man. And he said, listen, this man isn't crazy. This man is not speaking gibberish. This man is in fact speaking an old Hungarian dialect. At that point, they were amazed. And they wanted to repatriate him back home to his native country after all this time. For 55 years, he had not spoken to anybody. And they wheeled him out of that place where he had been for 55 years, from the age of 20 to now 75, a broken, lost, bruised, hurting man. His first request when they walked out of that place to repatriate him to his country, his very first request was to ask for a mirror. When he looked into that mirror, for two seconds, he broke down and wept uncontrollably. He hadn't seen himself for 55 years. And he looked again into his identity. The book of James has described the Bible as a mirror. The word of God is our mirror to which we see our identity. Not only that, but in that word, in its perfect reflection, when we look deeply and intently into it, we come to discover ourselves. We come to discover our true purpose of who we are and what we've been called to do. It has its purpose. It has life. There's men out there. There's women out there. There's a society out there that is lost, that is confused that is in desperate need of knowing who I am and what is my purpose in this life. Just walking along with a friend a couple of years ago, his brother had tragically committed suicide. Two years on, I'm walking with a broken man, 
a hurting man. And he says to me, Chris, I sometimes wonder what is my brother really missing out on in this life. I remember doing the beginning of your spiritual journey steps downstairs in the lower hall with a group of men. And one man came and joined the group. I asked him why he was here. And he said, I was brought up in a Christian family. And I went to university. And I've lost my way. I need to come back to God. I need to find myself again. And I asked him, in one sentence, could you summarize the place where you are and how you feel from drifting away from God? He said, I will summarize it in one word. He said, I'm confused. Utterly confused. I was listening to a song the other day by Queen. The show must go on. Men, I, I promise you, it, it wasn't my playlist. It, 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 it was my wife's. I just, I just happened to stumble across it, okay. But he said these words, empty spaces, what am I living for? Empty spaces, what am I looking for? And that's the heart's cry of many, many men and women out there in society. They're living in empty spaces. What are they looking for, they ask. What am I really living for? What is this life really all about? Who am I? What is my purpose in it? There must be more to this. The disciples of Jesus were always seemed to be having a fixation on bread. They always appeared to be hungry. They always came to Jesus inquisitive. Lord, where's the bread going to come from? When are we going to eat? But Jesus looked into the depths of their heart and he knew there was a greater level of depth of hunger inside each and every one of them that mere human bread would not fill. But Christ Jesus was about to break himself and become the living bread that he knew would be the only thing that would quench an inner desire that lived deep down into every heart and every man. He was become going to become the bread of life. And when we partake of the bread of life of Jesus Christ, he fills something deep, deep down in our core that nothing else in life, nothing else in society can fill. We come to truly know ourselves. We come alive. His disciples partook of this bread. They wholly trusted in Jesus Christ and they came alive. Those just 12 men, ordinary men, were about to turn the world upside down. And when we partake of the bread of life, when we see ourselves wholeheartedly in the word of God, we also will turn our lives upside down. We will turn society upside down. We will turn our families upside down. We will turn our communities upside down, our workplaces upside down. Christ is calling us to turn places upside down and come alive in him. Now I thought being at White Hart Lane in the terraces when Tottenham are playing Arsenal and Harry Kane just scores in the 86th minute to give ourselves a 2-0 victory is coming alive. I truly felt alive when White Hart Lane rose up in raptures as we beat Arsenal 2-0. <laughs> Arsenal fans, the ministry team will be here for ministry at the end of the service for those that require it. But I felt alive. 
But I tell you what, nothing brings us a life more than we partake of the bread of life and we eat of Jesus Christ and we begin the mission of him. Jesus is calling us to a great mission and we're on the threshold of tonight of going into 2018 and he's a great mission for us in those times to come. In Genesis 32, we join back up with Joseph. 20 years later, from the place of promise at Bethel, there where he came alive to God and that seed was sown. Here he is 20 years later. God, should we say, had been doing some character refining in the life of Jacob. Seven years he labored for his wife, Rachel. He was deceived by his uncle Laban. He was getting a taste of his own medicine. He was given Leah instead. And he had to work for another further seven years then to finally get his wife Rachel. And then he labored for a further six years to get himself a flock. But the whole time that God was working with him and nurturing and preparing him, Jacob probably thought he was lost. He had missed it with God. But no, no. It was all a part of the great master plan to bring him into his destiny. 20 years on, then he left. He was a prosperous man. He had wives, he had 13 children, and a great herd of cattle. And he left Laban's house. He knew the promise of God. He knew he had to go back to the place of Bethel to fulfill what God was leading him into. But God had one final thing really, that he needed to break in the life of Jacob. Jacob, you see, was still dependent on himself and his own earthly wisdom. But God knew, if I'm going to take you where I need you to take you, Jacob, if you're going to become the man I need you to become, if you're going to continue the line of your father Abraham and Isaac and the promises I've given them to make you a father of many nations, then there needs to be a shift change in your life. Your dependency can no longer be on yourself and your own wisdom and your mastery trickery. You have to put yourself wholeheartedly in my hands and wholeheartedly trust in me. You have to be a man and woman of faith. There he was on this journey and he sent his cattle, he sent his family, he sent his wife before him, ahead of him. He was left alone. And the word of God in Genesis 32 says that a man came and grabbed him and wrestled with him. Jacob, in Jacob fashioned, a great wrestler in the flesh, wrestled with this man all night long. And it wasn't until it began to come to daybreak that Jacob looked and recognized and knew there's something different here about this man. This man actually was the living God. He was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. It was an epiphany moment. The man, God, grabbed Jacob. He looked at him and said, Jacob, what is your name? God wasn't asking Jacob what his name was. He knew what his name was. But he wanted Jacob to stand up and say, do you know what? 
I am everything my name represents. I am a trickster. I am a deceiver. I am a supplanter. I am the one who grabs at the heel of. He said, my name is Jacob. He surrendered to that. And God said, good. You will no longer be Jacob, but you, my son, you, your name is Israel. Your name is Israel. Israel means God fights. Now, my son, now you've stopped fighting for yourself. And now you've put your trust in me. And you've been honest to who you are. You will be Israel. Now, me, the living God, I will do the fighting for you. Because the mountain is too high. Amen. The journey is too long for you to be on your own any longer. You're going to need me if I'm going to bring you into the fullness of the promises that I'm about to lead you into. Israel, father of many nations, the great promises of God, he will become a whole nation and birth the 12 tribes of Israel. Kings and nations will be under him, but God to carry that weight of responsibility, would need to be with him every step of the way. His life of fleshing, of driving in his own ability, would now be switched to a life of faith. Still wouldn't be perfect, but a defining moment took place there. Jacob named that place Peniel, in face with God, because that's where he came face to face with God. And when we come face to face with God, when we look into the perfect mirror of his word and sink ourselves into it, we drill down and we find the great pearls of revelation and prize. We discover the great mysteries of the living God. We discover truly who we are and we discover our unique purpose and what God has called us to be and what he has called us to do. We cannot afford to depend on ourselves as individuals and collectively as a church of what he's leading us into in 2018 and the years to come. This mission can only be achieved through him and by him through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Dependency in himself, God will fight for us. 75 years in December, December the 7th, 1942, to be exact, a great mission was to take place. We celebrate its anniversary today. The operation was called Operation Frankton, and the advertisement for this mission was asking for volunteers of a hazardous service. Many men flocked to volunteer for this hazardous service. But only 12 men were uniquely picked. These 12 men were on submarine tuna, and submarine tuna surfed itself off the coast of France, not far from Bordeaux. Major Hasler was in charge of these 12 men. Major Blondie Hasler, they called him. And it was time to embark on a great mission 
that was very dangerous. All they were armed with was limpet mines. And they would canoe themselves for days and nights into the port of Bordeaux where the German vessels were harbored. They would place limpet mines on these vessels and reap havoc amongst the German fleet to stop them in their tracks. The night came and they were ready to set sail. Lieutenant Rakes was the commander of the tuna and he said to Major Hasler in good old officer fashion, Major Hasler, do you think we're ready to embark on the mission tonight? It's looking mighty clear. Major Hasler looked at him and responded, Sir, it's nice and calm. We're ready to go. Twelve men, six canoes, and they began to bring them up to the top of the submarine, ready to launch on the daring mission. When they were bringing up the canoe, one of the canoes was damaged. The skin was split. Major Hasler assessed the vessel, and he looked at the two Marines, Marine Ellis and Marine Fisher, and said to them, Men, I'm sorry, but your war is over. You will be going home on tuna back to Britain. But we and the rest of the ten men, we must continue with this mission. Marine Fisher reportedly in that moment broke down and wept. He wept. He wept. Any other man would probably see that as a great joy of blessing. I don't have to go on this mission. My life may be preserved but not Marine Fisher, not with men with hearts like Marine Fisher. Marine Fisher didn't want to abandon his men. Marine Fisher wanted to be counted. Marine Fisher wanted to be in those canoes. Marine Fisher wanted to achieve what he had been achieved to do. He wanted to do and fulfill the purpose that his commanding officer had set him to do. He wanted to go on the task, and he wept with absolute disappointment that he couldn't. The mission for Marine Fisher meant more than his life. In fact, the mission for Marine Fisher was his very life. These men today are named the Cockleshell Heroes. And 75 years on, we take inspiration from those men and what they set out to do under the guidance of Major Hasler. I ask you this question here today. How much do you want to be a part of God's great mission for your life? What mission is he uniquely calling to you? How does that mission align with the great mission that he's called us as a church, that he's called Kensington Temple as we head on into 2018? God is looking for men and women with hearts like Marine Fisher. He's looking for men with hearts like Jacob, like Israel, who are determined to go ahead regardless of the cost. They don't want to be left behind on the mission. They want to be fully integrated with the mission and what lays behind before them. It's significant. Today, we stand on a threshold. Tonight, we are on a significant threshold. We're about to cross over from 2017 into 2018. Now, a threshold, what is a threshold? 
a threshold is a strip of wood or a strip of stone that is at the base of a doorway. It forms the base of a doorway. And when we cross over it and entering into a house, it is called a threshold. Symbolically speaking, what if I said that that threshold of wood represents and is symbolic of the cross of Christ? As we cross over from the threshold of 2017 and 2018, and we cross over that crosshold symbolically of the cross of Christ, let me also ask you, what do we need to leave at the foot of the cross from 2017? What do we need to leave behind? What have we picked up that is not aligning itself to the great mission that God has called you uniquely to? What part of Jacob do we need to leave behind in 2017? What is it we need to pick up? What is it we need to embrace as we cross over to that threshold into 2018? What do we need to embrace? What do we need to let go? Because God is uniquely calling us into something. He's asking you, what is your name? What is your purpose? How does this all align and fit in to the great master plan of God? But one thing is for certain. One thing is for certain. Just as a heart, a spark was struck in the heart of Jacob there at Bethel. So in 2017, a match has been struck here at Kenston Temple. That is certainly one thing we're carrying over from 2017 to 2018. God is calling us collectively as a church to carry that spark, to carry that promise individually for your life and collectively as a church. We're going to have to put our full trust in God. There's no room for Jacob mentality. He's calling us to be Israel's, where he will fight for us as we cross that threshold tonight. We can't depend on our own wisdom and our own efforts. The task is too big. The task is too too significant. Don't let go. Don't be left behind on this mission. Just like Maureen Fisher, that's the men God is looking for. Men and women whose hearts are determined to get in those canoes and do what he's called us to do. We're to come alive in the things of God. Out there in the world, people are lost. People are hurting. People are confused. But we've got the light of Christ living in us. And he's called us to go and win those souls who are lost and hurting and confused and to bring them to become a part of the great mission. Christ is calling us to greater measures to get out of the four walls, to go find the lost and hurting and to bring them home to Christ, to bring his home, to bring his daughters home, that they may also become fully alive and catch the spark of the spirit and become partakers of the great mission that God is leading us into. We can't get left behind. 
The week after next, we're gathering together as a church. We're unifying for our vision week. A time where we gather. A time like a scrum. We come to hear the strategy. We come to pray in unity, in the spirit of the bond of peace. We come to hear the word and the leading of the spirit. We come to see how we can strategize, what we can do to do our own human responsibility, to take this spark that has been lit and begin to breathe on it by the Holy Spirit, to bring it into a ferno, to blaze the trail before us into 2018. God wants to blaze a trail for you and for the church into 2018. Because when we depend on him, it's God that's going to fight for us. There's nothing better than to come alive in Christ Jesus, to know your purpose, to know your destiny, knowing that you are part of a great master plan, something far bigger, something far better than yourself, and how you uniquely become a part of that great plan. He's looking for marine fishers. He's looking for Israels to come and be a part of that. And together we are like a scrum that is building and is building momentum, that is driving forward to the tri-line of eternity, to the tri-line of heaven. Let's come and unite. Let's be a part of what God is doing. Let's carry that match. Let's carry that spark out and into 2018. A great forefather, second century father, a man called Arrhenius, another great man of God, a father of the church, a man, a man with a heart like Marine Fisher, a man with a heart like Israel, said these words, the glory of God is man fully alive. We desire nothing more than to bring glory to God, do we? But that will mean that we need to become fully alive in him. A great mentor of Martin Luther King Jr., Howard Thurman, he said these words, and it always inspires me. Do not ask what the world needs, but ask what brings you alive. Because what the world needs now is men and women who are alive. We want to be alive to the living God, don't we? We want to burn for him. Because I tell you, nothing, nothing compares to the very presence of the living God, to burn in him. In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forever. Are we ready for the great mission, Kenson Temple? Are we ready to leave things behind at the threshold of the cross tonight? Are we ready to step over into the new season of 2018 and to become fully alive in him? Let's stand to our feet here this morning, Katie. Let's just pray. Heavenly Father, to bring you glory, we understand that we have to be men and women who are fully alive to you. Lord, there's a hunger and there's a thirst inside each and every one of us. People are trying to fill that hunger and that thirst for many things. 
things that aren't helpful, things that are actually steering people away from the presence of the living God, away from the fullness of their identity, which is only found in the living word, in the mirror of you, Christ Jesus. We want to look more intently to you. We want to be at Peniel, Lord. We want to see you face to face. We want to be used by you. Father, as we're on the threshold tonight of going into 2018, may that not pass us by. May we see the threshold before us of the cross. May we leave behind right now everything that is not of you. Weights and strains and anxieties that won't be helpful for the journey ahead. Lord, we need you to fight for us. We cannot do this in our own ability. The mountain is too high. The valley is too deep. We need you to lift us up. We need you to chaperone us to that mountain top of your name. So, Father, break every chain of oppression in this place today, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. It's not easy out there, Father. You understand that we are mere flesh, but we are full of the Holy Spirit. We are alive to you, Christ Jesus. We are men and women of God called for purpose and called to destiny. We want to embrace the mission set before us wholeheartedly. We do not want to be left behind, Father. We don't want to be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. We want to be in the arena. We want to be fighting the good fight of faith. Not relying on our own dependence or our own wisdom, but fully embracing you, Lord. Your word, which is a double-edged sword, which is living, active, is powerful. That will cut through and divide the things of oppression towards us. That will bring life and hope and joy and peace to the souls of men and women who are lost in you, Christ Jesus. Bring us alive, we pray, to greater measures. Breathe on us, we pray, Holy Spirit. Tonight, may it not only be a great night of celebration as we cross over into 2018, but may it be a defining moment. May we all gather around the great spark prophetically that has been struck. May we gather around it to protect it. But Lord, may we also gather around it to bring the kindling, to bring the tindling, to begin to build a great fire. We are living stones in your presence, Lord Jesus. We are temples of the living God. May we breathe on that fire. May it come alive in our hearts. May we go out and saturate our workplaces, our families, the highways and byways for your glory, Lord Jesus. Bring us alive, we pray, Heavenly Father, in measures that we never thought possible. Stir in our hearts greater measures of faith and dependency on you, Heavenly Father. Not orchestrating things in our own wisdom or ability, but wholly trusting in your name, the name that's above every name. Bring us alive, we pray, Heavenly Father, as we cross the threshold tonight, because the glory of man is being fully alive, and we know that it will bring glory to you. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen and amen.